Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. We have talked a lot in this city. We've got tax increases coming up with our municipal taxes, and we've got all these other things going on, cost of living. We had grocers in front of Parliament yesterday defending why prices are so high. Everybody's talking about why things are costing so much. Here's one more to consider. It's pointed out today that in a few more days from now, in a few days from now, on April 1st, our MPs, our federal elected officials are going to be receiving another, I think this is the fourth since COVID started, another healthy raise. Going to go up 15, almost $16,000 a year if you're an MP. Huh. Let me bring in Franco Terrazano. He's the federal director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. Joins me now. Franco, how are you? Hey, I'm doing good. Maybe not as good as their MPs are doing who are about to take their fourth pay raise since the pandemic, but I'm doing pretty good. Well, you know, I think you and I may have talked about this before. And look, everybody deserves a raise, I guess. Uh, People work hard for their money. What I just don't get, though, is that the people who their job, part of their job is symbolic. Part of it is appearance. Part of it is perception. That when everybody's going through such a tough time and they are already making a terrific living, none of these people are on food stamps. I can't believe that once in all of these times that they were due to get a raise that they didn't, somebody say, why don't we just symbolically pass on this one? Well, you know what? I'll just come out and say it. I'll be the bad guy. I don't think our members of parliament deserve a raise. Uh, There, I said it. Look, our debt is more than a trillion dollars. Their tax hikes and runaway spending for years and years and years have been driving inflation. So no, they don't deserve a pay raise. Uh, for their performance. They do not. But then also, too, I think the bigger point is that how can they honestly look their constituents in the eye, the constituents who are at the grocery store saying, do we buy the jug of milk or do we buy the package of ground beef? How can they look them in the eye and and say, give me more money? But in fact, they're not even asking their constituents for more money. They're taking more money. They're taking their fourth pay raise during the pandemic. Right now, today, a member of parliament makes about $189,000. A minister makes just under $280,000 in salary. The prime minister makes $380,000 just under in an annual salary. So no, they don't need a pay raise. They don't deserve a pay raise. And yet come April 1, they'll take their fourth pay raise since the onset of COVID-19, ranging this pay raise alone, ranging from an extra about 5100 bucks all the way up to 10200 bucks extra for the Prime Minister. When I said everyone deserves a raise, I was thinking more about the general population, but your point <laughs> is well taken because, again, I, I mean, I come back to the idea, do they need it? You know, need is, to me, when we talk about who needs a raise, that's always a dangerous thing because, uh, I mean who what what company needs to make profit or a certain amount of profit it gets into a really dicey area and a really delicate difficult area however and we can discuss that all day long but again i look at this and i think how do the people who are leading us who are talking endlessly endlessly about how the middle class is hurting and how people are struggling and how they can't afford housing and as i say they had the Galen Weston uh, being testifying yesterday about food prices and all this stuff. How can the people who are doing all of this yammering about how expensive life is not see the the power of then taking a raise or not saying I'm going to pass on this one because I want to be 
standing alongside of you. I just don't get how they don't see this. It's got, you know, not to be too vulgar, but if I hear another politician say that we're all in this together, I'm going to throw up. Yeah, I'm going to. It makes me sick to my stomach. It really does. Because if we were all in this together four years ago or three years ago, whenever COVID happened, it seems like a lifetime ago. But whenever it happened, if we were really all in this together, truly all in this together, our members of parliament would have done what happened in New Zealand when it comes to politician pay. They would have held a press conference immediately and said, we are going to take a pay cut. Okay, New Zealand's prime minister. Almost immediately when COVID-19 touched down, she held a press conference and she said that she would take a 20% pay cut along with the ministers and along with top bureaucrats in their government because they wanted to show solidarity with the struggling taxpayers who are paying their bills. But we don't have to look across the world uh, to see examples of some politicians doing the right thing. In British Columbia, we just saw MLA freeze their pay. In Nova Scotia, Premier Tim Houston recalled the legislature to stop their MLA pay raise. Then he cut his own pay by $11,000. Okay, and and one other thing here. This this should not be rocket science, stopping member of parliament pay. We've seen it done before. Back in 2010 to 2013, they stopped the automatic pay raises in response to the 0809 recession. So we should be seeing something like that right now. Well, and there's one other part of this that really, I think, is going to antagonize a lot of people, and that is the same day, apparently, that they are due for this raise to kick in is the same day that a whole uh, batch of new taxes that are going to hurt people even more, gas taxes, carbon taxes, booze taxes, all these things, it's the same day that it kicks in. So, So the same day that they are getting more money in their wallet is the same day we're getting less in ours. It just... I hate this word, Carlo or uh, Franco. I hate this word optics, but the I have to use it. The optics of this are atrocious. Yeah, no kidding. Isn't that something? Hey, the exact same day, the exact same day that they take more money out of our wallets, they stuff more money into their own. It's like they're not even trying. It's like they're not even trying to show taxpayers that they respect our hard-earned money. You know, let me just say one other thing while you got me ranting here this is a cross party thing okay yes the liberals are in government yes immediately they could stop the pay raises but you know what let's call out the other parties too let's call out the new democrats let's call out the conservatives let's call out the block let's call it whatever other party is in the house of commons i haven't seen any of these other parties really make up a fuss. Oh, wait, now, wasn't you know, there I, wasn't there one MP, a backbencher who a year or two ago tried to raise this and was essentially shouted and laughed down? Oh, well, good for that backbencher. But look, <laughs> all of these parties would have to do is host press conferences. Okay, imagine a politician in one of the other parties or within the Liberal Party. Imagine one of these leaders, right, standing up and doing a press conference and trying to get uh, news attention around this. That's what they would have to do to put pressure on this government. So we're really not seeing it from the Trudeau liberals, but we're also not seeing the opposition parties do their part and put pressure on the government like they can and like they should. Yeah, and, and that backbencher, look, I, I applaud him for making the effort, and I can't remember his name, and I wish I could under the circumstances. I applaud uh, same him. Same here. But it's it, the, the fact was that my memory is, 
he was immediately shouted down and told basically, you know, shut up and go away, which just, it, you know, sort of speaks volumes because even when it, even if this had slipped someone's mind, when it was raised, instead of saying, oh, you know what? Hmm, interesting point. We got to consider that. It was, come on. No. Uh, look, it's, it's April 1st. We can all, we can all look forward to April 1st. If you know an MP, that's the night you should ask them to take you out to dinner and buy a very expensive bottle of wine because they'll be able to afford it. Uh, Franco Terrazano, really appreciate the time as always. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me on. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Apparently this summer, the Rolling Stones, of course, because they're in every, <laughs> in every concert, I think, uh, Pink, U2, others are going to be performing in what they're calling... Live Aid, L-V-I-V, Live Aid, uh, which will be a concert for Ukraine. And right now it looks like it's going to be at Wembley Stadium. And there's two purposes of this, according to the organizers. One is to show support for Ukraine. The other is to show lack of support and put pressure on Vladimir Putin. If all these people are getting together and telling Vladimir Putin publicly, you know, how horrible he is, you know, who knows? I, 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 have my doubts that hearing Mick Jagger tell Vladimir Putin that he doesn't like him is going to change much, but it might make us feel better. Eric Alper is a music publicist. He's a music writer. He does, well, he does everything in music. And I think right now he's actually out in Edmonton at the Juno Awards. Is that correct, Eric? I am indeed. It's a minus 17, so a balmy Balmy summer night here. In, yeah, no uh, kidding. Getting ready for the Junos. No yeah. kidding. Yeah, that's this weekend. But yes, well, you know what? Somebody should have thought of that. Every year they should have the Juno Awards in Vegas. Oh, that's a really good idea. <laughs> uh, that That's really good. I, we just have to find the Canadian tie into that. You know, it would probably make Celine Dion is in, in residence. Celine Dion's in residence. Everyone can, I bet her apartment is big enough to hold the thing in it. <laughs> I bet her walk-in closet yeah. could just be the media room. That, that's, yeah. that's probably true. That's yeah. probably true. All right. So let me go to this because this, the idea of the concert, okay, it's a great idea. By the way, I got an email about this already from um, Mike who says, with all the mayhem and crap going on in the world right now, I think a concert like this is exactly what we all need right now. A Hail Mary pass to unify the world for one cause. Okay. So the idea of it, I'm on board with Mike. I think it's a really interesting, a really good idea. Live Aid was great. SARS Fest was great. All that kind of stuff. I just wonder if in 2023, something like this can work. Specifically for the reason that back in 84, when Live Aid happened, we all watched either Much Music or in the States, MTV. We all basically were exposed to almost all the same music. Same even in 2003 with SARS Fest. Now... Eric, everybody's in their own little silo, and I don't know that anyone's going to be interested if they're of a certain age or style of music fan that really cares about the Rolling Stones or cares about Pink or cares about U2. It's much more difficult, I would think, to pull something like this off. Um, yes, and, and um, in so much that there has been a lot of big concerts, um, the... There, there's a number of the, the global citizen concert is kind of like the American version of We Day 
that the Free the Children organization did before. Uh, they kind of crumbled a little bit. Um, they have dozens of artists playing in Central Park, New York. They have an audience online of about 50 to 60 million people. They raise over $250 million for various causes around the world. Um, so it can be done with different styles of music because what happens is, is that people kind of cherry pick who they want to watch online on YouTube or Twitter or live on TikTok. And then they just ignore everybody else that comes along. Um, what's interesting about this and no knock against anybody that's putting this together. Cause I know that they're all listening in the UK anyway, <laughs> um, is that the daily mail um, broke this story that the stones and pink and you two to perform at this concert. Um, and then in the first headline, it said that they have reported, reportedly been asked to perform. Those are two very different things. The story broke on March the 6th. There hasn't been a peep out of any of these bands, whether it's the Stones, the Killers, U2, or Pink, or otherwise. You'd think, though, that if they're going to leak this, they would have done it and announced it already. Um, the other kind of wrench in all of this is that the massive music festival Glastonbury, which runs for four days, um, is about two hours away from Wembley. Um, they have Elton John, Guns N' Roses among their headlining acts. It's going to be a absolute nightmare to try to get artists to perform at both places. So mm. I don't know if this is actually going to happen. Um, and like you said at the top, what's this for? I mean, let's hope that by June, this war still isn't going on. That's the first thing. But like, I don't know if it's going to put pressure on Russia in the same way that stars not playing Sun City back in the mid 1980s ended apartheid i can absolutely vouch for people that say that it it did end apartheid in some aspect it did put pressure on south africa to make those racial changes um i don't know if this is gonna do much to to be honest i hope it does well okay so uh the idea when you say that they have not committed yet and so there was there is a fantastic if people get a chance to watch this i, I you got to carve out some time but there is a fantastic bbc documentary about the putting together of Live Aid and then the concert itself. I think the whole thing is like four hours long. It's, it's on YouTube. You can find it. It's in broken into a bunch of pieces. It is one of, honestly, the best music documentaries you will ever, ever, ever see. It's fascinating. But one of the things that happened in that is they just kept dropping names of people hoping that somebody yeah. would say, oh, I guess <laughs> we're Bob doing Geldof's it. That way of doing it. Yeah. He would mention... Um, he would mention Mick Jagger when Mick Jagger hadn't even signed on. Exactly. He would mention Tears for Fears and 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 be like, okay, well, do you want to back out of it? You go tell the world that you're not going to be playing Live Aid. Yeah, it was Genius. a brilliant strategy. <laughs> I don't know if it can work again because it worked the one time. But the other another thing you just pointed out, and again, I would love for this. I think this is a kind of thing that, I mean, I went to, I didn't go to Live Aid, um, uh, but I went to SARS Fest and it was a fantastic day. And it was, I know there were a variety of styles of music, but you mentioned another thing. In this era, you would probably not have people spending the entire day on this, like happened with those other big ones. You will pop in and out and just watch on YouTube or even after when this thing comes up. So I don't know that, again, that sort of unity thing really happens. Like everybody is looking at the same thing all day and concentrating yeah. on the same event and issue. 
Yeah, you, you know, you brought up at the top two, you know, back when Live Aid was around, there were essentially three television channels, um, HBO that was showing boxing matches yeah. and much music. And that's essentially, and obviously the, the Canadian station, but for the most part, that's what we all watch. That's how a show like MASH can do their final episode and have 91 million people watching, which was uh, the equivalent of something like 83% of all the televisions across North America. You don't have that anymore. Um, you have too many shiny objects. You have too much, uh, too much, too many choices. So the, the people that were performing on Live Aid, you could have been a fan of Madonna, but you would have had to give a little bit of respect to Bob Dylan. You would have had to give respect to Phil Collins. You, you, because you saw those people over and over and over again. Now you could very well have, you know, an artist like Pink who just put out a pretty great record. Um, but like most cases, after three weeks, it's kind of off people's minds and they're on to the new shiny thing. So I don't know if it's going to make the cultural impact of it. Um, certainly it may raise a lot of money for for Ukraine. In fact, there was a concert that was done a couple of months ago with Billie Eilish uh, for, the, for the people of Ukraine and it raised almost $26 million um, in, a, in a three hour span. Mm. So there's certainly a lot of money to be made it's certainly a lot of help but in terms of impact i don't know if we're going to talk about it in the same way as we did with the star with well, the concert for sars even the money eric and look i'm not trying to be debbie downer here i think yeah like, no as I, say, sure. I want to be i want this to work but going back to live aid there was a moment in live aid where and again watch this documentary and i'll find the name before we're done unless you know it off the top of your head i can't remember the name of it but i'll, I'll find it um there was a moment in Live Aid when people had, and they've mentioned this in the documentary, people had kind of forgotten why they were watching this, that, that it, was, it wasn't really a fundraiser. It was just a great concert. And then David Bowie comes out, introduces a clip from the CBC by Brian Stewart, who was the chief foreign correspondent, yeah. with the cars playing in the background. And suddenly everybody was jolted back into this reminder of why it is that we're watching this. And then millions of dollars and pounds started flowing in. Well, it's my long way of getting to the point of, again, if we're picking and choosing, if people are dropping in and dropping out, if you're not a David Bowie fan, so let's say it's Pink that was put in this position to say, I'm now going to introduce this. If you're not watching when Pink does this, are you then spending your money or are you just dropping in because it's music as opposed to the, the cause? Yeah. Um, that documentary, is it called Against All Odds? Yes. Yes. That, yes. That, that's the one. Yeah. Um, what, what's interesting about what you just said is, and I think you're, you're absolutely right. Um, when you bring in the Rolling Stones and you too, um, just, and Paul McCartney is also banded yep. about as well. When you bring in those three, you better be coming correct. You better have the global scale priorities in mind. You better have social media involved and you better be able to not make it so that it becomes an embarrassment for any of those people because nobody wants that. And I think that that's one of the reasons why it, this is taking a little bit longer than I think people might have wanted to actually physically announce it is what's the shape going to be? How is this going to happen? Um, are they going to bring out people from the Ukraine to introduce? Is the president going to come out? Uh, all of those things are the emotional impact that make people want to remember. Um, I'll, 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 
I have no doubt that if this concert happened, it will probably be the most talked about event on social media, maybe in history, um, especially if they can do clips or live concert activity on TikTok, for instance, or, you know, through a pay-per-view. But um, yeah, when you when you're playing with the Stones and, and you too and McCartney, like there's there's no messing about. These people are the biggest artists that music has seen in a hundred years. So um, you, it better be done correctly. And I think a lot of people just got some lessons learned from Live Aid because they're all still around. Uh, let me change tack here a little bit while we've got you just before uh, you get back on to doing Juno work, um, which is this Sunday. Um, reading a really interesting piece on a, a website called themusic.com. I think it's out of Australia, uh, this website. Anyway, the headline is, Are Album Reviews Dead? And the question, I mean, once upon a time in your most papers, there would be album reviews when a new band would come out with one. I, it never dawned on me, never really thought of it until I read this and I realized, I don't know when the last time was that I saw an album review. And I don't know if that's because papers don't have the same amount of staff to do this or if it's because we just don't want someone to tell us how we're supposed to think about an album now, we can decide for ourselves. Uh, Both. And add to it, um, uh, who, who cares what this person has to say? That's why I mean, I mean yeah. who, who are they? Um, and um, so people, either people stop reading them or newspapers and magazines stop printing them. Um, and thanks to social media, especially Twitter, where a good majority of the media was on when it first started and still is, you can do a record review 14 minutes after midnight after it comes out. You can do a single review. You can do a concert review and not have to wait for tomorrow's paper to come out. As a publicist, I stopped asking for reviews um, because they just don't exist anymore. Um, So thanks to social media, we're living in a world where people just don't want to read the long-form journalism in anything, um, unfortunately. Um, And and music is no exception. So, uh, yeah, it's something that I noticed. Um... Yeah, it's something that I noticed about seven or eight years ago when people were turning down the opportunity in the media to do album reviews and just taking the press releases and running with it because they just simply didn't have the time or the staff to to come up with it. Well, it's even, I mean, I I would say the same about movie reviews. I mean, I don't see nearly as many movie reviews and maybe, I mean. No, it's all all thumbs up and thumbs down on Netflix. Well, right. And and there was a time when you had Siskel and Ebert, for example, who were well-respected and so their voice mattered. But you're right now, for a lot of people, it's like, who's that person and why do I care about them? Now, that said, I'm realizing as I'm talking to you, and I hadn't thought of this before, we still do have album reviews and we still do have movie reviews. You know what they are now? They're those things on YouTube where it's the first view or we or, or watching or listening for the first yeah. time or whatever, where I don't believe for a second the person actually has never heard this music before. Like I, I watched one yeah, a while back either. where the person was, um, it, it was, uh, uh, I don't even know what song it was, but like one of those songs where like, you could not possibly have lived in society and not heard this before. There's right, no right. way. I'm listening to Led Zeppelin or Aretha Franklin for the first time. Yeah, unless you just had a corneal, or not a corneal, you're like an, an ear transplant, your eardrum rebuilt and you've been deaf all along. <laughs> There's no way you could not have heard this before. But nonetheless, that to me, I guess that's the new review now is we get just people, we watch them listening to this for the first time and whether it's an opera singing instructor who does one, she's very popular on there or whatever, That that's the new review is the yeah. immediate 
I'm yeah, listening, and, it, and, and it's the 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 share button on Facebook. It's the share button on Instagram, um, and it's also um, when you when you listen to Spotify, you can see all of your friends on Facebook, however they logged in and what they're listening to, and so you're still looking for those tastemakers. But the new review just happens to be, oh, this song just got added to a whack up playlist, so somebody must think it's worthy of my time uh we still need people to sift through the hundred thousand songs that are being uploaded each and every single day um and then one hundred fifty thousand for new music friday so we still need and rely on people and those tastemakers to do it it's just a little bit different okay but, so know. eric before we let you go so my question is this then there were people who did record reviews and movie reviews once upon a time one of the things was they did at times, if the music wasn't good, they said it wasn't good. They, I mean, they would be blunt about it and they would, I mean, it would be bad for the musician possibly for record sales, but they would be told this is not a good album or whatever. Now, these things where you watch these people and they listen for the first time, I have never seen one where they don't at the end go, oh, that was way better than I expected. There's no negative reviews. Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? No, it's a bad thing, but we only have ourselves to blame for it. Um, I, I can't tell you how many reporters and music writers I've spoken to in the last five or six years that are terrified of giving Taylor Swift anything less than an A plus for her album or how dare a, a music reviewer give BTS an eight and a half out of 10 for their album. The amount of horrible fans and armies there are out there to docs. Um, the, the, the music reviewer doxing is like when they start publishing their personal information, like home phone number, address, where they work, their kids' names. Music reviewers, um, almost to a T, are almost terrified to be honest and give somebody a bad review uh, for fear of just getting absolutely harassed online so people just don't do them anymore. Except when the album is so atrociously bad of a major artist that... Everybody knows it's going to be bad, um, mm. but you can't do that with Taylor. You cannot give Taylor Swift a six and a half out of ten, and figure that you are not going to be harassed in the next by potentially hundreds of thousands of people no. online. All right. So before we let you go, thirty seconds left. Uh, I saw who's being inducted into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame at the Junos this year. Nickelback. Speaking, Nickelback. Speaking Woo. of critical <laughs> reviews. Um, I am, I mean, look, I am proud of the, of, of them for doing this because it, it, it's so easy to dump on Nickelback and they've sold like a trillion albums. Good for the Canadian music industry for saying to heck with you people, whether you think they're a joke or not, they've sold more albums than almost any other Canadian act they're going in. You will not find, um, you will not find very many people in the media around the world that would be slamming Nickelback in their pages or online. It's all from snarky fans. Um, they, it's so well-deserved. They're the nicest, kindest people that you'll ever want to meet. Um, and I've had the pleasure of working with them really early on in their career. They don't deserve it. One day, maybe maybe after the uh, Junos, we'll talk about the whole history of that would um, be good. people hating on bands. We will do that. Uh, Eric Alper, enjoy the Junos. Stay warm. Try and find Thank yourself you so much, uh, a giant extra parka. It. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.